In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Get to talk about contentment today. I bet everyone's excited about that. Contentment's kind of a tricky subject, I think, and I think as Americans, we could probably learn from some things on contentment. I was just uh, in Florida for a conference, and I got to talk to Pastor Tim Spiegelberg. Do you guys know Spiegelberg? He's one of my best friends. We roomed together in Florida. And he tells me this story. He said, Jamie sent him out to the grocery store. And this is not, he's not a grocery store guy. He does like laps around the outside and then just stops for pop and chips. That's what he does. And so she sent him and said, hey, can you get some short grain white rice? Seems pretty simple, right? So he's like, hey, this is really easy, right? I got to succeed. And he never asked for help. So he's, he goes out and he goes to find this rice and he can't even find it barely. And so he's searching around the whole store. He said, I spent over an hour there total because he got to the, finally got to the rice aisles. This ever happened to you? And he said, there's like 20 different types of rice. And so he individually goes through all of them and he's like, okay, uh, none of them said short white rice. We have like fancy rice. We got long rice. We got extra long rice. We got medium rice. And, and then they've got like not quite white rice. They got brown rice. They've got basmati and jasmine and all these. He's like, I was going crazy. And so finally, he, it, he had to either call his wife and ask for help or ask a clerk. So he said, I'm going to ask a clerk. So he goes to the clerk and says, hey, where do I find this? And they go, oh, there's another section of rice over here. He goes, oh, thank goodness. So he goes to the ethnic section to find the rice. He still couldn't find anything. And after a while, he finally just gave up, went home, and like his tail between his legs, he says, I was so embarrassed. I'm like, Jamie, I have to admit, I could not find what you're looking for. I got medium white rice instead. She goes, oh, that's fine. And then he's like, what? He thought, he thought like, the, like, the, the bat, you know, like the whole recipe hinged on these choices. And in America, you probably discovered, maybe you've heard that, you know how many uh, choices we used to have? 1976, average in a grocery store was 9,000, and now it's 36,000. So it's four times as much. Here is my rice illustration. So they did an experiment. They're talking about, does choices lead to happiness? That's kind of a question. Sounds like a book, all right? So does choice, do choices lead to happiness? And so this was a jam display. That's the closest I could get. What do we have there? Nine. They did an experiment, one with six types of jam and the other with 24. Am I the only one who gets a headache when I see that? So, but, but where would you go if you were going to pick out jam? They set this up in the grocery store, and they watched, observed where people would go. Where would you go between a display with 24 options for jam and one with four or six? How many of you are six? How many would go to six? Okay. How many would go to 24? Okay. So now, now you're going to self-righteous on me. What about this? If you were going to buy a pair of shoes, and would you go to the store with four pairs of shoes you could pick from? or one with like 128 pairs of shoes? How many of you would go to four pairs of shoes? Four? Really? Where do you even find a store like that? I know Walmart's got like four. Target's, they, they're even expanding. Their exhilaration or whatever it's called, they've got six. So like, <laughs> but you go to these places, and now when it comes to like shoes, you're like, well, I kind of want the right one. Or you go shopping for clothes. How many of you go to a place that has four items, like the Carhartt store? And even Carhartt has more. They only had one color for how many years? And then they're like, man, we should, this isn't actually a very good-looking color. We should probably get another one to you know, do, do something with our duck pants. And now they have all kinds of options. So does options lead to happiness? They did a study that said in the last 30 years, our gross domestic product, like stuff we produce and consume, has more than doubled. And that's in the last 30 years. But our contentment and our joy as a culture has actually gone down. So how does this work? How does this work if more and more options, it would seem, should be 
the answer. Uh, the missionary talked to another guy, and he, he had talked to, this is a firsthand story, he had talked to a missionary who came back from Africa, and there's two things that came around. The hardest adjustment when they come to America, you could guess, is just how much stuff there is, like compared to. I don't think they might say that as much now. You go to Africa now, and I think some of our own consumerism is kind of pushing its way into Africa, even to the far reaches of it. The other part was the choices. He said there's so many choices that they don't know what to do. What was super interesting about all that the jam display is that 60% of the people did go where there was more jam options. But the people who went to six, 30%, 33% bought jam. The people who went to 24, 3%. So there's a sense, and I think maybe you could determine, see this in your life, that overall as a culture, we have this desire to find something that's going to fill exactly what I'm looking for, but it never quite comes, right? You go and you, it never, it's never quite the thing. And so the Apostle Paul, I think, does a great job in Philippians. We're going to run across one of the most common passages in all the Bible. If you have a Pinterest account with Bible passages on it, I am sure you have seen it. And, and we're going to get to there in a second. So finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, remember he's talking to a lot of these retired soldiers, and this is kind of the summary. It's getting to the end of his letter. And he said, don't just, um, don't just think about these things. I want you to, to live these things so you'll see that. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, just, just contemplate these things. What is good? Whatever you have learned from me or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So he, he's got two steps to it. He says, if you want to find some joy in your life. That's what this whole letter is about. Just think about all the good things. Think about what is good, what is admirable, and what makes sense, and then go do it. And God will be with you. They're like, okay, that seems pretty easy. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Remember, he's in prison. He's like, I'm not whining here. For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it's like to be in need. I know what it's like to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any, in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He's got his answer coming up, but we should talk. Uh, what is the secret to being content? It's not choices. I think we'd agree with that. Um, if you'd sit down with your kids and they'd say, you know, Dad, I'm not very content. And I think sometimes we perpetuate this. They said, I'm not, I'm not super happy. How would you explain to them to find happiness? Now, if you parent anywhere like I do, and I'm a driven person to some degree, I would say, okay, what, what brings you joy? And now pursue it. In fact, I lead, I lead pastors through this very exercise to say, okay, what is the worst things that you hate? You've got to get rid of those things called the grind zone. And then, like, what are the things that bring you joy? I've explained to you many, many times, like, what brings you joy? You have to discover those things and pursue those things, right? I said, if I have a decent sermon and I talk to people and I did some planning, my week is a happy week. Like, this, is, this brings me joy. I'm like, that's a contented, that's good. And so I teach people to very do this very same thing. So I do the same thing with my kids. And you can just roll your eyes now. I just won't look. I sit down and say, like, what's your goals? What are you trying to do? And what, let's talk about what you need to do to try and reach those goals if those are really your goals. 
If, if you have a goal, you can, and this is not some self-motivation thing or something like that, but if you really want to do something, most likely you can do it. Like, there's sacrifices you have to get. You count the cost, but you can reach most of your things. I'm not talking like make the NBA or something like that, but if you want to get a little bit better at your sport, this is what you have to do. If you want to make a little bit more money or save a little bit more money, it's very clear, this is what you have to do. If you want to lose some weight, this is what you have to do. If you want to get stronger, this is what you have to do. But what do we teach our kids, I, I was thinking about this, uh, when they fail? So say my son comes or my daughter comes to me and they don't make a team. I think what I'd be really tempted to do, because it breaks your heart in that moment, to say, well, you know, maybe you're not the best one on the basketball court. You know, maybe you weren't quite good enough to make this team. But you know what God has given you? He's given you academic abilities, or he's given you, he, you're a fun person to be around. You got lots of friends. You, um, you, you, um, you're a beautiful person. You're a handsome young man. God has given you these things, but what, what have I done? All I did is shift one pursuit to a different one that they're a little better at. What happens in their academic world? They say, you know what? I am doing well at school. Uh, one of my kids just came to me and said, Dad, I'm not as smart as people have told me. I'm like, when did I tell you you were smart? <laughs> but, but, you know, bright, but not genius, right? So what do you discover when you do these things? If you just say to your kids, hey, you know what? You should pursue this sport because that makes you happy. And then they go and they discover, wait, I'm not that great at that either, right? The higher you get up the level, you just discover there's more and more people who are better at it. And if you actually do reach the top, that's a famous Jim Carrey quote. I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they have ever dreamed so that they can see it's not the answer. I've got another Jim Carrey thing coming up. And that's so insightful as we talk about this pursuit that brings you joy. What is the secret to contentment? I don't think it's the pursuit, right? And some people even say that, enjoy the process. But that's not it. Because you finally get to the end and content is like a sliding kind of meter. So let me give you an example. So there's like a thousand things that have been going wrong in our life, not serious things, like we don't, we're not sick or cancer that I know of, I probably have skin cancer, but uh, not, not something serious, so I put a new engine in my car, check, then uh, I had my regulator break in my house, check, this is all recent, I, I was doing the computer, and uh, I'm not even talking about my relationship with AT&T right now, I called AT&T in December and said, hey, I'd like to lower my bill, they're like, yeah, we could do that, 20 bucks a month, I'm like, really, why didn't I call sooner? So the next month, nothing changed, so I had to call again, and then they're like, oh, yeah, he didn't know what he was talking about. Let me fix that for you. So then they changed my plan to save me money again, and it went up by $50. So then I had to call back. I'm not pleased at this moment, and I had to call back, and then they said, oh, we'll take care of it. They took me to the retention department, and know what they did? All, they, they like, we got everything fixed, and we, all she did is put me back to the plan I had originally in November, and I said, well, what about the 47 extra dollars I had to pay? And she's like, oh, those are valid charges because that was, your, that was your policy at the time. I'm like, wait a second. You just explained to me, here's my content meter. You just explained to me that your employee made a mistake in advising me. That's your job, not my job to know these things. And you're not going to credit me $47. She said, I can meet you halfway. I can do $25. I said, that's not good enough. I need to talk to a supervisor. She's like, but if they say no, you're not going to get anything. I'm like, I don't care because I want to cancel. And she's like, you're going to cancel over $47? I wanted to say, no, I'm going to cancel because you're in <laughs> <laughs> not giving me $47. That's what I wanted to say. 
so anyway, this is in this, this landslide. I could give you a hundred things, like you know how bad things come in groups of 33. And uh, so my battery on my computer, I went to do some work on the flight. It's a four-hour flight, and, and I get the center seat, you know, if you're flying southwest and you're not cool. So I got the center seat, so I got to, you know, like, try and type like this. My computer dies after like an hour. So I couldn't get that work done, so I bring it in. My battery, I do some tests, says it's 25% capacity. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get it fixed, and I'm not going to do it myself. So some of you, this is a big step for me, a really big step. I took it into the computer guy. He uh, says, that's not good. You know, I'll have it back to you tonight. This is Friday. I'm like, let me do the work as much as I can. I'm going to hand it over to you at the, at near the end of the day. And then you fix it. I'll pick it up first thing on Saturday, ready to do my work. I go there on Saturday, and I, and I bike. This is the most content I've been in a long time. I'm riding my bike, so I'm super happy. And I'm smiling. I'm listening to music. I'm riding my bike downtown, my favorite thing in the whole world. I'm going to pick up my computer. I'm, like, helping the small businesses. And I get there. He's like, oh, I should have told you your battery is bulging. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's why I'm getting replaced. And I didn't say it with a snarky attitude like that. I just thought a snarky attitude. And he said, oh, but when I plugged in the new battery, your computer wouldn't turn on. I'm like, it kind of worked when I brought it, and now it doesn't work. He's like, ah, the bulge could have done it. Can you get it done today? Because I'm a pastor. I shouldn't probably mention that. <laughs> I'm a pastor, and I really need my computer because I hadn't printed the bulletins or anything like that. So the, the long story short is he calls me later, and now we're working with a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse, and he's got to order a part, and they're actually going to pay for the part. So now, like, my contento meter is starting to go up, right? So there is a certain amount of contentment when you pursue these things that you enjoy. I think there is. There's content when you're doing the things you love. There's content when you find something. There is contentment, I think, to some degree when you order something in the mail and you get it. I think that's fun. But then sometimes we, we expect it to deliver just a little more than we think, right? There's a contentment that says, um, maybe if I just find this person, then I'm going to be fully content. Or maybe if, um, if sexually, if I connect with this person, then I'm going to be content. Maybe if I find someone who's got this like, conversation the way, maybe I'll be content. Maybe my job, uh, maybe a certain bank account. If you just think right now, what would be content? I guarantee every one of us with a little bit of time could say, these are the things, if I had these in order, I think I'd be content. I think I'd, I'd find joy. There's... A hard thing, uh, this is a picture of the Canadian Olympics. Did anyone see the ceremony? You know, the ladies, are, uh, the women of America won in hockey. And this is the Canadian athlete. I can't pronounce her name. Second over, they put the silver medal. Like, this means you are the second best team in the whole entire planet. And probably the best team, to be honest. And they just somehow gave a late goal away and then the, the thing. But probably the best team in the whole planet. They put the medal on her neck and she immediately took it off. She now regrets it. You know, the, the follow-up story is she regrets that and, and what that meant. But why? Because she had this singular goal that says, when I finally reach a certain point, I'm going to be content. So here's the secret. Like, okay, let's find out what the secret really is. Here's what Paul says. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Have you ever heard this passage before? Here's a screenshot of my computer when I did, I could do all things who give me strength, images. I probably could have gone down for like another half hour. Because you usually hear this like with athletics, right? Some, I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. Your friend might say that when you got cancer and you say, I just want cancer out of my life. I can do anything 
through God who gives me strength. You know, I, I need this. You could do it at your job when it's failing. You could do it when your marriage is struggling. Someone says, you know what? You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You're about to go into an athletic endeavor. How many tattoos are in bodies of guys that are way fitter than I am that say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? I would say at least 10. You know, like, way, way, way more than that because this is inspiring to think I can literally do anything, but which is super interesting in our culture the reason Paul uses this passage is to find contentment is not something that just comes. When he talks about I can do anything who gives me strength, all he's talking about is actually being content with what God has given you. And he says, through Christ, I can find that contentment. You ever notice that God works in your life kind of different ways? When we talk about contentment, and I've talked about this before, St. Augustine says like it's like this hole, right? The God-shaped hole in your heart. We see it most of the time that we'd say, there's this hole and I want to fill it. If I just find the right thing, it'll be filled. And I actually find contentment. What's really interesting is the way the Bible talks about it. It's not that God just gives you. Sometimes that happens. Let's just say I'd be content if I didn't have cancer, right? That's my dream. My dream is, um, you know, I don't have cancer. That's your situation. My dream is I've got a little bit better job. Sometimes God actually gives you that. I think that's awesome. God, fill me up. And God says, here you go. Sometimes that happens. But I think more often, I think more often God gives you the strength to deal with the situation you have. Sometimes he takes the cancer completely away and it's a prayer answer, but sometimes God just gives you the ability, the strength to handle what situation you have. So you would like to have a better job. God says, I'm going to give you the strength to handle this, that you're not going to have a better job. And you can still be content. God, I'd like a little bit more money. And sometimes God gives you the money and the floodgates open. And sometimes God just says, deal with it. And I'm going to give you the strength during these days to get over it. The guy who writes this is the Apostle Paul. And if you know his life, he talked again and again about how often he prayed about this thorn in his side that he wished would just go away. And in his mind, he thinks, you know how many people I could reach with the gospel if he got rid of this? No one knows what it is. Some people think it's a sickness or an illness. Some people think he had like a speech impediment. Some people think, you know, he suffered depression. He said, God, just think about what I could do for your kingdom if you just took this away. And God never took it away. He just said, I'm going to give you the strength to endure in this situation because that's what I want in your life. One more thing on contentment. All right, I put the, I got the words up there. This is Jim Carrey again in his greatest film, film of all time, Dumb and Dumber. So the situation is, if you don't know, does anyone not know Dumb and Dumber? It's okay, actually. You should be proud. It's not like Jeopardy. I was watching Jeopardy. I told you that. And they had the, the teens up there for Jeopardy. And they're all going. And they're just nailing these answers I've never heard of. And then they ask the question. They show a guy from South Park. And they go, and what character is this? All three teens that are actually doing something with their life go, no idea. <laughs> Silence. And the crowd's laughing. So this is the same situation. If you don't know about Dumb and Dumber, that's probably okay. So they're going into Aspen to return a briefcase. And they're riding a moped, if you haven't seen this. Or it might be a go. Uh, so they're riding this moped. And the one, I'm trying to think of Lloyd and Harry. And uh, Lloyd, I think, is Lloyd Jim Carrey? I think Lloyd is Jim Carrey. So they're riding in the, in the mountains. And he doesn't have gloves on, so he's freezing this whole time. That's, uh, I can't think of the guy's name. Something with a Dan something found it, right? What's the other guy's name? What is it? That was a trick. Ha <laughs> ha. No, now I know that he knows Dumb and Dumber. No, so, so they, they uh, but his, it wasn't a trick. I didn't know. So his hands are freezing and he can hardly move. Like in this scene, I was going to show it. So he can't hardly talk. 
And then he says, I, you know, I got to stop. My hands are so cold. Like, he's, they're freezing. And he goes, oh, maybe you should wear these extra gloves. My hands are getting a little sweaty. So he has a pair of gloves on. The other guy takes the gloves off, and he hands them to him. And then, of course, a fight ensues. With, but my favorite line of the whole thing is <laughs> they chase around the picnic table, and then he goes to choke him. And the guy goes, Harry, your hands are freezing. <laughs> which, is, which is, what does this have to do with contentment? Give me a second, I got to think of it. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. This is what it has to do with contentment. When you recognize where you are filled up, when you recognize that Christ was not content to stay in heaven, when Christ was not okay with every single thing before him to stay there and wait, he is not content until he has you that he comes all the way down to this planet. He goes all the way to the cross. He lives a perfect life in your place because he is not content to have you live and find contentment in all this crap in your life. He says, I want contentment in me. I want contentment in heaven. I want you to be completely filled up in something that's worth it. When you find contentment in that, your life starts to overflow. It's like having an extra pair of gloves. When your life is full, it's not that hard to pour into someone else, is it? When your life is full, it's not that hard to listen to someone who's struggling when you say, I'm content in Christ. When you are content with the money you have, how hard is it to give it away? It's not that hard. When you're content with the abilities that God has, how hard is it to give those abilities to someone else? You cannot give and you can't. So I would say this phrase, contentment does not mean complacency. Our dream is not to go sit on a beach and say, now I'm finally content and find a cabin in the mountain and say, now I'm content, and have the job and say, now I'm content. God says, I want you to be content right now. And that doesn't mean complacency. It means you take your full life and you pour it into other people so they can find the contentment they have in Christ. Amen. Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have given us contentment. We have reason to be content. You've filled us up in Christ Help us with all this other stuff in our life that, that does bring a certain amount of happiness, it does bring a certain amount of joy, but in the end it's shallow and it's empty. And the only thing that can truly fill us up is knowing that where we stand with you forgiven, knowing that you don't always give us exactly what you want, that, that what we want. Sometimes you just give us the ability to endure in the situation we're in. Paul found the secret, and that secret is recognizing that be filled up with you we could do all things through that strength. So help us to have that kind of strength that finds contentment in what you've given us. We ask this in your name. Amen.